Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. We've changed our theme tune this week, and I'll get to that in a second. But I'm joined by the lovely Daniel Cooper. Hey, everyone. And Mr. Kieran Gillen, which is the reason we have changed our theme tune uh, this week. We've changed it to Summer Camp's Pink Summer. Now, that's quite a special song for you, uh, which we'll sort of get to later. But maybe, you know, for the people who don't know who you are, if you want to sort of introduce yourself in a better way than I probably can. I just feel very honoured yeah? that the theme tune has changed to um, <laughs> uh, Pink Summer. Which the is first time we've ever changed the theme tune, maybe? Yeah, you've broken with 265 episodes of Tradition there. So. <laughs> did I didn't get, check did it. Did you clear this? I really didn't, actually. <laughs> yes, we're destroying society. Yeah, so no, I literally, I've walked into a room and already actually destroyed a culture, yeah. uh, which is kind of what I do. Um, <laughs> I'm, my name is Kieran Gillen. I'm a primarily a writer. I um, also a dancer. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lover, sadly. Uh, I, um, <laughs> I've seen you dance. You're a great dancer. <laughs> Didn't know what you were going to yeah. say. Yeah. Then. <laughs> you don't get to correct the lover mm. part. No, I write comics now. I used to be a games critic, so I used to write for loads of magazines and places yeah. like that. Um, I moved into comics somehow, and I basically write books for Marvel. As in, I've written stuff like Uncanny X-Men and Iron Man mm. and Journey into Mystery and Young Avengers, and I could go on and on. <laughs> and I do books, my own books for like uh, Phonogram, which was my first book, yeah. and Wicked Divine, which is my current book, and books like Uber and Mercury Heat that's coming out. And it, I could really ramble on. But no, that's that's like, I write a do. lot of comics. Yeah. Yeah. That is what we're going to do. Yeah. That's a big part of today's podcast. Yeah. It is indeed, yeah. yeah. Um, so we usually start sort of our uh, podcast with, what have you been playing, watching, or reading of interest lately? Anything? You don't have to say yeah. What do I have? Tell you, last year's weird, because that's a guy who was obsessed by games forever. Yeah. 2014 was pretty fallow. I yeah. barely played anything in the mainstream at yeah. all. And I think uh, I did fight, like no more than five hours in any AAA game, which okay. is literally unheard of since... 97 was the last time I had right. a year with that fallow of gaming. Yeah. Was there a particular reason for that? I or just work overtaking? Just, I think my heart just wasn't in it. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. like 20, the year before was really bad, and I kind of was my energies were elsewhere. And I was okay. playing some board game stuff. But... Since the new year, things have picked up, yeah. which is quite exciting because you know I've um, my wife bought a PS4 when okay. I was away on a business trip and returned to find the PS4 in the front room. I was kind of upset being a PC master race yeah. kind of guy. What's <laughs> this? What the hell is this box? So I threw it through the window and stomped around. But eventually, yeah. I was seduced to playing some games. So yeah. we basically been playing a Diablo Free Co-op. Oh, cool. so it's me and my wife have been sitting on the sofa, sofa, yes, the sofa, yeah. and bashing the living hell out of boxes and collecting it. So it's kind of involves killing and shopping. Yeah. So it's kind of like this weird. Um, <laughs> I always think Sex in the City could basically be translated to Diablo 3. Yeah. In that sense, it's about getting increasingly fancy loot and then wearing it and killing more things. Not there's much yeah. killing. Swap sex for killing, and you basically got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's been good. Uh, I had like um, I had some friends over on Saturday, like uh, two couples of me and my wives. Yeah. And we played um, like 11 hours of board game stuff, like wow. six different oh, games. We played an entire array of um, like, what was it? In what did order. You play? We played The Resistance. We started okay, that. Yeah. So that's we started Paranoia game, and yeah. Hatred. <laughs> The move on Dixit, so a bit of like French whimsicality. I do love Dixit. Those cards are just incredible. Yeah, they are incredible. It's like if you haven't seen Dixit, there's basically a game where you have to try to work out what these cards could mean, and it's all basically a load of like Freudian dream imagery. Yeah, it's uh, you look at them and it's uh, my wife. You love it. Unpacking dream symbolism. Yeah, (laughs) the game basically works like you have to like. it's almost like it's like whimsical, whimsical French adventure game version of like Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. In this kind of, okay. you basically, you have yeah, to pick a card and say a word like though the, the feeling of sadness, and you put your card down face down, and everyone else has to pick their card they think means the feeling of sadness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But everyone has to guess which one was yours. Yeah. So it's about how you think and how you describe, and it's, it's a really kind of soft game, symbols, yeah. which is yeah. nice. It is really good. Like I've met, but because I've played it so much, I've managed to find a way to. <laughs> game it in a sense which sort of spoils it for some people who've played with me before because if I'm playing with new people 
I just this you can just do it. It's like playing poker. You can pick up a card in a certain way, or I can look a certain way at a card, or spend so much time on a card because you're allowed to pick them up and look at them and stuff like that. And I find it really easily mm. easy to influence other people's decisions. So then right, people, Darren. yeah, I'm basically Darren Brown. <laughs> uh, but I find it easy, and, I, and uh, yeah, my ex girlfriend like refused to play with me. Oh wow! Which and it's such a lovely game to have someone refuse to play with you. Probably says a lot yeah. about me. To be I mean, the way that the traditional <laughs> way, really sad yeah, way to end that yeah. digression, just like uh, my ex girlfriend didn't want to play with me. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a strange because it's not really yeah. that. Because winning doesn't really matter in any way. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. those games. So what's it called, sorry? Dixit, D-I-X-I-T. What's yeah. the meaning of that? I don't know. I, I forget. Know. Oh, I, my wife, it's Latin. I forget what it means. Okay. okay. Um, right. Sorry, someone in the room, someone spoke Latin, told me what it yeah. meant. Oh, okay. I forgot well, it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, and then Illuminati, and that okay. was, and they played that card flappy game. Yeah. And I literally forget what that's called. Double. They played double. Illuminati, yeah. uh, retro conspiracy game. Uh, did play Cosmic Humanity. Yeah. <laughs> and there was one more game. It was a day of so much gaming, I forgot yeah. it. Oh, and I actually, I played my first Warhammer Fantasy Battle game since... Oh, amazing. Uh, 94. Okay. Wow. Uh, which was an amusing thing to was do. Was this a Christmas present you had? Like it's like, or? I've been quite, basically, all my, I've got the awful, I say awful, it's actually quite lucky. Almost yeah. anything I like doing, I can turn into money. Okay. And that becomes weird, because like, if I've got this to music, I can turn that into money, or yeah. everything becomes work. And I sort of started painting Skaven, which are like the warmer fantasy rap men. Yeah. And I started paying them in 2008. I can't pay for toffee, but it's incredibly soothing. This cannot profit me in any way. <laughs> this will not impress women. Yeah, will, <laughs> no, one, no one will love me anymore for doing this. I, I silently daub these. I, I stopped looking at the internet. It's incredibly soothing. I feel like that very old man at the bottom of the, the shed and, you know, painting loud soldiers. It's literally the same thing. Yeah. I'm at the point now where I've actually sort of I paid enough for an army. So I talked to a friend, let's have a game. And we've had a game and it was hilarious. <laughs> it was literally, um, everything exploded and like enormous, like we, we laughed ourselves sick all the way through. It was a really great joy. So, so that's very, amazing. Now he's bought a load of undead, so we're going to do another game at some point. That's excellent. Yeah, so that was that was a weirdly life-affirming selection of things which make me realise, not realise, but remember how yeah, much yeah, I love yeah. gaming because yeah. how important it has been to me at different times. Oh, so definitely. Good, yeah. A good start to the year, basically. Wow, that, that is good, yeah. As well. I'm obsessed with a board game at the moment called uh, The Sheriff of Nottingham. What's that like? That's the one you um, bought recently, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. so good, yeah. It's, uh, so basically, I don't even think, yeah, there's sort of a, a board to it, but basically, you're a store owner the sheriff comes round to the store. Everyone takes it in turn to be sheriff, and it's kind of like cheats—the mm. card game cheat, where uh, you have these, but you have these little pouches, and you can try and get. You have to basically make the most money by lying about what's in your pouch or telling the truth. Um, so you've got your sort of bread, chicken, apples, and something else, and cheese. Uh, but you've also got contraband, like one. I think one of them's an axe uh, and things like that. And you can sort of. If, but it's all about lying to the sheriff and convincing him not to open your bag, or if he opens it and you're actually not telling the truth, you are actually telling the truth, you get loads of money as well. I'm not explaining it very well. It is really good. That sounds um, good. You've actually made me remember what the sixth game was, which was oh, Mas- Masquerade. Okay, cool. Play, okay. Which is kind of like that. Love Letter, if you yeah, know that. Love Letter's amazing. It's another, yeah. it's another game of bluff and lying and trying to work out. It's, it's basically each card allows you to do a certain thing, but you never know which card you have. Yeah. And you swap between it and it becomes very confusing and you're basically bluffing on not knowing what your card is. Yeah. So you say, I've, oh, I'm definitely the king. Yeah. And, and they go on the table and someone calls you or not. So it's a very quick game of complete confusion and yes. lying. Excellent. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm a big fan of that one as well. It's really good. Like, I didn't really explain Sheriff Nolan very well. It is really good. <laughs> it's weird. As in, playing all these board games because I'm friends with Quinn, uh, Quinton Smith. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, Shut Him and Sit Down, yeah. which is an amazing website. Yeah. Um, but saw that, that and also Rab, uh, Rab Florence and seeing him go into board games back yeah. into board games pretty much the same time I was 
how much I've discovered certain things about myself, and as in, I'm quite bad at telling when certain people are lying to me. Okay. As in, like, I'm your wife or like friends? Generally speaking, I trust women more than men. Okay. Okay. And that's an intri- And I really lost across almost all board games. Yeah. I, I have intrinsically distrust men <laughs> and have like a, a basic fondness for so, women. So all female listeners, yeah. basically, your fair game to be deep. I, I, I look back at my life and realise, wait oh, a second, I need to rethink everything. <laughs> As in, I, I really have in a semi-way. It's yeah. like um, when my mum like, was playing Resistance one Christmas, like last year, sorry, the Christmas before mm. last, yeah. and she completely lied, a perfect game, and yeah. I, I, I was looking at her and then the scales fell, fell from my eyes, <laughs> and I realised how powerful my mum was. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Don't trust my mum is what I'm saying. No yeah, one trusts my mum. See, I can't play Werewolf with anyone. Have you ever played Werewolf? No. Like, mm-hmm. You'd love that as well. Because I can't... And basically, that's... Uh, it's not a board game. It's just a sort of parlour game uh, where it's kind of like, I guess, Wink Murder or Mafia. There's other games like yeah. that. Where one of you... Two of you are the werewolves and you have to all go to sleep. People die. And you have to sort of... Uh, the, all the villagers have to decide who they're going to hang. And I can't play that because it's all about lying. It's all about convincing people. So if I'm... And obviously, I'm... The hairiest man in the room. But like because I because I'm so mouthy, if I'm quiet, people uh, people yeah. suspect me straight away. If I'm just myself, people go, Well he's blatantly the werewolf because look how like chops he's being everyone else is being really quiet. So mm, I no literally can't I, I yeah. can't play that game. Yeah. I'm sorry resistance, people distrust me in resistance. Yeah. You know, um Yeah, I'm not trustworthy every yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's really good. Um, so, yeah, so you, you're saying then, so you've moved away almost from video games to just be board games. But, you know, you're, you're 25, 2015 might be your, uh, your drum. I yeah. was, uh, I've literally forgotten the name of the game. It was RPS's Game of the Year. Okay. Eternal, the, the, the Civ clone, uh, involving fantasy Civ clone. I don't know. Rock, uh, paper, shotguns, game of the year. I've literally Eternal Legend. Yeah, okay. I was, I've been playing. If you it. didn't remember that then. You're going to absolute murders. Yeah, so I, I, I still, I still like. One of the, I'm on Rock, paper, shotguns on the website. I'm still kind of involved in them. Yeah, as, yeah. You're a co-founder. I am as a co-founder. Yeah. I'm actually literally yeah. a, a suit. So I've okay. no, I'm no suit at the website. I'm literally a publisher, which is terrible. Yeah. As and I've kind of Amazing. ascended to a lower level. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I finally I was playing that and I, I quite like it. It yeah. hasn't quite clicked for me because um, there's something. Um, what's the word? I just don't think it's as weird as everyone else. I was expecting it to be weirder, and it's okay. quite um, uninspiring. Okay. Mm. And then it's it's clearly got a lot of quality there, but I'm not like immediately in love with it. Okay. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I will I will try to persist with it. Yeah. Um, but obviously, so you started out, you know, as a games critic, and you know, a lot of people will almost credit you for being one of the first real games critics, I guess. Talking um, once said, some might say he invented games journalism, which just literally <laughs> makes me laugh myself sick. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a tattoo of that. <laughs> so, like, if I had a book and put it on the back, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I don't think no matter what the book is yeah, about. Exactly. <laughs> I, I invented all of this. All, all, all yeah. this is mine, and I own this. Thing. Mm. No, that's lewd. I mean, it's like yeah. there, there's really, I'm. I mean, I started writing about games in '94. That's when yeah. I was at university, and I, st- I basically paid my way for my second year at university writing for Amiga Power. Okay. Um, but you know, I was I was an, I was a games press obsessive. I can still quote Stuart Campbell and Jonathan Nash reviews. Yeah. I can quote a Duncan McDonald review from '87, I think, which That's was stunt car racer, uh, an entire opening about being as happy as a sandboy. So yeah. I really was kind of like into the games yeah. press. I'm somebody who's always really yeah. enjoyed games writing in okay. a way that um, is somewhat obsessional. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but you know, yeah, I I came from that background I was basically somebody who loved both music writing which has always been more pretentious yeah, yeah. Uh, and games Definitely, writing yeah. <laughs> and so I kind of like put that all together and that's what <laughs> I kind of did yeah um, 
to basically find a way to make games writing as pretentious as oh, yeah, music yeah. writing. At times. But also, like, as, you know, I did more knob gags than most people. Like, you know, <laughs> as in, it, was, it was a weird kind of mix. Well, that's sort of expected, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. just flowery knob gags. Yeah. It's like I, I basically ripped off everybody I loved, and that's kind of what I've always done as a writer. Yeah. Isn't that kind of my influence hmm. is quite obvious. But you had those influences then, sorry. Oh, I mean, like in Games Press, it's like I, was, I was a genuinely an almost Amiga Power fanboy, and it's like mm. being able to write for them in the last 12 issues is kind of like being in the Beatles yeah I mean I played Triangle in the Beatles that <laughs> 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 wasn't anything important but I got to you know I, I was on the credits yeah and that was um, I, in retrospect it, I can't it was, I was a religiously fanatical member oh, IEP yeah. fan it was a bit worrying to be honest um so, I mean, Jane Ash, Derek Campbell, uh, I always love Cam for hiring me. The <laughs> um, music press, especially the guys of the period, like um, Simon Reynolds, who's an amazingly precise music journalist and very um, academic. I always admired him because he was someone I couldn't write like him. Mm-hmm. I, would, I could never quite do that. But, like, of my journey, like, Neil Kulkarni, Taylor Parks from the Melody Maker at the time, Simon Price, um, uh, those are kind of like quite important people to me, and I dug back. You know, I you know I've read my Lester Bangs, I've read um, I've read my Nick Kent and um, uh, my Paul Morley. I'm a big Paul yeah. Morley fan. Um, I mean, uh, Paul Morley's um, words of music uh, is um, kind of the big influence on Phonogram, which is a comic about pop music yeah. Yeah. and a kind of like metaphorical pop music folded into this kind of weird structure. Um, so yeah, all that really, I guess. <laughs> um, and then, how does the sort of rock paper shock and stuff come about? Then, did you guys? I mean, it's obviously just spotting a, a gap in the market, I guess. Is it, it was or? one of those weird. Like, this is something I often say about RPS, in that um, people get into the idea of doing what you think is right is automatically anti-commercial, mm. and that is a defeatist attitude. It's the kind of the idea that it means that if your band then he sells any copies of records it can't be any good yeah. and this is kind of like a defeatist narrative that's sold to us by people who frankly want to keep you on your knees I mean uh, uh, you, you sort of I've been making jokes so far and you've suddenly got me you can hear the, yeah, the same yeah. way into yeah. angry man who right. writes manifestos about right, games everyone brace yourself we're changing gear yeah. <laughs> right, it's uh, but it's like kind of you know there's um, there's a lot of narratives that the world tries to sell you which are frankly will only hurt you if you believe it mm. uh, with RPS it was a case of like there was no good PC games website mm. <laughs> and that's not really an easy way to phrase that but no. in terms of like doing something that was agile um, and was able to do the sort of stuff that RPS did in its early years yeah. and still tries <clears> to do um, there wasn't anyone doing it mm. and we thought well um, A there's and Paradox has ads money <laughs> so yeah. it's a really basic isn't that kind of like if we could get an audience we thought it would be financially worthwhile yeah, yeah. Um, at the same time there this, this clearly should be a site yeah um but then and it you was probably Jim, Jim's idea, as in Jim Rosignol. Mm. He, he yeah. kind of pushed it, and he, he recruited me and Alec and John. Uh, I was living with um, uh, Jim at the time, and Jim mm. was an old school mate, all the way from PC Gamer. Uh, and I had just split up with a long term girlfriend, so I was pretty much like sleeping on his sofa. Yeah. Uh, let's do a website. And it was like, actually, it could work. So I'd, yeah. I'd give it three years and see how it would go. And when it's day, I kind of left when the site stabilized, when we started actually. Being able to pay wages to everyone and everything yeah. is fine, but yeah, it was one of those situations where let's do a website because we, in our way, and of course, what RPS is good at, it's very yeah. good at, and what it's not very good at, it's not very good at. Just kind of like mm. it's, it's a website very clearly run by writers, yeah, um, which means we fall downstairs a lot, and we're not, you know, <laughs> and we get confused by cups of tea and all yeah. those kind of things. But you know, the, the level of <clears throat> freedom there was yeah. a lot of a lot of fun. It was the idea. It's kind of like since that was really late in my career, we launched in two thousand and seven yeah. as a games writer. And I said I started writing in 94. I actually presumed I would never be, get to launch a magazine. Yeah. And it took me to about a year into RPS to realize, wait, no, this is 
exactly what this, I'm doing. Yeah. This yeah. is that moment. Yeah, this is it, and uh, it's um, it's an astounding legacy. Yeah. And I use that word in that kind of, if the, people not listening <laughs> when we have to see my eyes will be confused by this. But you know how incredibly proud I am of what the guys have yeah. achieved, and because we started with um, a WordPress site in favors. Yeah, it's like it's not like. Um, you know, a sort of polygon which launches with all the money in the yeah, world. Yeah, uh, we, sponsorship. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we launched with like, we're going to do, we, you know, you can tell we put the work in because you basically are, all our wages cut by a third with other freelance. Yeah. Uh, wow. And we just, you know, we, we made that <clears throat> investment and we just did it. Yeah. And we cashed in all our favours. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it worked, which is very <laughs> lucky. And the thing is like, we saw, we saw, We've seen a lot of people try to do other websites and they haven't worked for different reasons. Yeah. And it's a lot of it's A, being lucky. We just never, never underestimate being lucky. Um, but a specific time, a specific place. Yeah. I mean, like the timing, we, the sort of gaming we believed in was kind of coming more into focus. Yeah. Because if you think of 2007, that's the start of that period of the indie boom. Um, so we were always, we kind of believe that PC gaming, quote unquote, it, it should be wider. Yeah. We kind of quite deliberately said we redefined PC gaming to be anything on a PC, anything on a keyboard, and we define PCs to include like spectrums. Yeah. And the idea of here is an, uh, instead of a PC being a format, a PC is an ideology. An ideology, by definition, is very open. And we define ourselves against console and any form of closed gaming. Not because we didn't like console gaming, because yeah. we mm. do. <laughs> um, but we the kind demarcate of. Demarcate a space. Yeah. yeah. And we're aware that there's so. Gaming is so big. It's, it, was, it was big then, it's bigger now. Yeah. There was space to just concentrate on part of it and cover it as much as we could inside there. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like. Um, any, even the very big sites which have enormous resources such as IGN aren't covering everything yeah. and the idea that, like going back to board games there was discussion since yeah. my time being here where we talked about you know should we, we launch yeah. a channel called IGN Analog or yeah. something in board games and tackle it it's like is that too far straying from our remit which probably is and other sites like you mentioned do it better than we would ever be able to do it yeah. so again it's knowing what you do and doing it well yeah. Yeah. So that's your ability yeah and we were kind of like we were quite um we want to be we were quite an optimistic site to begin with. We've kind of become more cynical now. Yeah. But um, the idea that you know we we were kind of we're quite pro pushing that idea of like gaming is worthwhile and this is an interesting yeah. way to spend our time. Yeah. So yeah, it was fun. That's, it was like, it was fun and awful at the same time. Yeah. I actually yeah. made a board game about running a games blog. I've got a prototype. <laughs> it's like a uh, it's an operative prototype. You need to bring that in and we yeah. need to play that definitely. You will, you will laugh yourself sick. It's a semi cooperative <laughs> board game about. Um, that describes our team. It is, exactly. It's, it's <laughs> you get stories, you decide who's going to write the story, okay. and it, basically you have to hit traffic targets. And if you fail to hit a traffic target, everyone's sacked. I want to play this. Yeah. You are. <laughs> you are playing this. With your own life. Uh, you, you don't know the consequences. You I reckon I'll be really good at this. <laughs> you don't know what the end game is. Yeah. But one person, only one person can win. And you win individually right. by gaining prestige oh, no. points. By well, I'm not going to win. <laughs> and I was like, so you have to argue, okay, I'm not going to write that story, the top 10 girls in games. I yeah. prestige. Yeah. Uh, but we need the traffic somewhat. And so you make the So deal. we take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's... It, no, no, it's been sitting around, and one day I'll get yeah, around to finishing really... it. But it's a giggle. I'm interested to see. It. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I swear the, the audience of that game is literally the people in this room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's kickstart that. Any, anyone listening to this, let's kickstart yeah. that. Um, I'm interested though. So, you were at PC Gaming when you, you guys launched or decided to launch Rock Paper Shotgun. Is that right? Or no, I was. I left PC Gaming in 2003. We're okay. all, we were all freelancers. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, so uh, we launched into that. So I was like freelancers for getting on for five years before mm. we launched RPS. Right. Okay. Um, we still quite often did freelance for PC Gamer. Of course, um, yeah. we, did, we worked for Eurogamer. Uh, we mm. thought we all worked. I mean, I'd worked for pretty much everybody. Yeah. I found myself walking in today. I don't think I've ever worked for IGN, which is weird. I've literally, you know, from the Guardian to Wired. We're not paying you for this. If you want, you want a credit. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> Give me a review quickly. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm just, I'm just sort of interesting to see like what was there a you know with what you wanted to do with Rob Paper Shotgun was there no you know possible way that obviously you you know huge ties to PC Gamer and things who at the time I don't think had a site or the site wasn't you know it, I'm just curious like, what, what was there about PC Gaming that you thought there's no way that we could actually do what we wanted to do with them well we like to own it I mean, it's yeah. like in, a, in a very. This is kind of you talk about the PC ideology. Yeah. It's the idea that we can do, we can do it, and therefore we shall. Mm. I mean, you know, um, and we'd like. I mean, we had no desire to work inside a larger organisation. I mean, I'm, I'm temperamentally unsuited by to it doing it because I keep on saying things like this. <laughs> you know, I have a, I have a tendency to uh, have a mouth and opinion uh, and kind of live with it. Mm. Um, that sounds self-aggrandizing. I don't mean it in that way. No, I was I highly enjoyed spending five years at Future, and I left because yeah. I was burnt out. Um, and then I kind of ambled along a few freelance, and that's yeah. why I started writing comics. And by I got to this point, I was more up for doing something in a more organised fashion. Mm. Um, um, we just, I think, we saw the whole, and we were aware that Future weren't about to do it. I mean, yeah. we didn't seem to have been trying to push for us. I mean, there was a PC web game website at present at the time, but they weren't quite like together in the same way. Yeah. I think. Um, and the, like, the chance to actually own it was worthwhile. And it's like kind of like if it works, this is useful. Yeah, that's all I can say. No, and it's like one of the yeah. things that I don't even want to say. It's like I beca- at working PC gamer, I became aware of how much money PC gamer made. Yeah, and I don't say this in a bad way. And I was also aware of how little I was getting paid. <laughs> um, and that's capitalism. <laughs> and I became aware. Of, like, well, that should be my money. <laughs> I was aware, like, well, th- th- so if, I, if we owned the means of production, we would own. You know that. Mm. So that is that's what I mean. It's like we, yeah, we I, it was ideologically the right thing to do. Yeah, but it was also a, a financially sensible uh, business model. You know, yeah. I, I could actually I could explain why I thought this would, site would work yeah. with a cold head as well as my hot head, and that's kind of the idea that both aren't contradictory. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's talking about, I hate talking about the money in that way. I don't get paid for this podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he's not. So don't don't tell him. Um, so that's interesting. So it was around then you started writing comics, and I'd like I'd love to hear how you, you know, decided to start that and where that took you. Were you always comics fan as a no. kid, or like because yeah, it was it's, it's weird one. That's that like, no sign of disbelieving. As an actual, <laughs> an actual real kid, as yeah. in like you know a preteen, yeah. I read like all the stuff on the news agent shelves and that right. kind of like that. Especially my age, was much a very casual thing to do. Yeah, and I kind of um, fell out of comics in the teens because I came from I'm from Stafford and didn't have I don't believe it had a comic shop then. Mm. So even if I was wanted to go into comics, I couldn't. Um, but you know, I was especially because I read the music press, I read the games press. Especially at that time, there was kind of um, a soft discussion of it, as in the idea that they talked about Watchmen, they talked about Dark Knight Returns. It was in, in the air, in, your was in, the air. in like your Sinclair yeah. at the time. There was an awareness yeah. of this is part of culture. Mm. Uh, so I knew about stuff, and I was like, that sounds interesting. <laughs> I'd but love I, to read that. I, I love to read yeah. that. There's no access to it. Yeah. Um, so in my twenties, I picked up Watchmen when I was twenty-one, and that was kind of like my headshot moment yeah. and that kind of uh, changed me fundamentally um, but it was took me until I was 25 I was like about my two and a half years into PC Gamer mm. I just started going to comic shops more often because um, there's one in Bath which is where Future's based yeah. um, and one day I just hit a book called The Authority by uh, Warren Ellis and I kind of fell in and it's and that moved me very quickly. Next week I discovered Planetary. Mm. Next week I discovered Transmet. Yeah. Uh, the week after that I was on the Warren Ellis forum, which was a very very big thing in like circa two thousand. In fact, yeah. a lot of the quite like larger names of creators circa now kind of came from there. You talking about okay. like Matt Fraction, that's and amazing. Me, Kelly Sue, and the it, it was almost like a, a revolutionary sell. Yeah. It feels 
I'm sorry, I was saying this very weird about the how successful images right now feels yeah. like the WEF winning. This is kind of okay. what our idea is what comics should be. Yeah. Transplanted forward 15 years, which is very strange. Mm. Um, but I sort of, and then one else form was acts as my education. I, I basically learned so much about comics because people talked about stuff and it was very, um, Catholic education it was yeah. like you know manga and, and French comics and American comics and it, it was all kind of viewed as a kind of this is the medium so I fell in love in that kind of way I yeah. went to my first con six months after that came home drunk from that con wrote my first strip and like the next year I had my first like webcomic out and the year after that I took a collection of these webcomics to the con yeah. was selling them a guy called Jamie McKelvey walked up showed me his portfolio and I said we should do a book called Phonogram um, and then four years after that phonograms out yeah so it's that kind of I just basically lot was like I was, people say it's like people who are late converts to religion a lot more fanatical than early converts okay. yeah. yeah I was a late convert <laughs> and I'm like I came in with like all this energy and I was kind of heading towards being oh, I, 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 I really did enjoy my time at Future yeah but um, at that point two and a half years into being there I was aware that I'd kind of done on, not on everything I could do there, but I was aware that I was like writing forty, uh, about fifty pages a month or something. Jesus. Like about yeah. I think my highest for PC game was thirty-seven. I was still doing about 10, 12, 13 pages of freelance yeah. to other people. Plus, paid <laughs> counts were much bigger. Paid word counts were much bigger then. We're yeah. like a fact. There was like eight hundred words a page. Nice. Um, <laughs> So, Fine. but I was like, that was like, if you actually read Piece of Game of that period, like 1908 to like 2000, you're pretty much reading my diary. And like, you can map it. I'm like, there's a running joke, like, you're a game of readers mock it. Yeah. In that kind of, it's a Kieran Gillen <clears throat> stealth girlfriend review. <laughs> when I'm really sort of mentioning, uh, oh, this girl I was seeing, it was very complicated. Yeah. Um, and I was like, it was really just all the creative ideas I had went to that magazine. And yeah. at, at that point, I realized, why, why am I actually doing this? And that's kind of, I started working less hard on the magazine. Hmm. Uh, as in to that, not to the level of complete psychosis no, okay, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. and started doing siphoning something off siphoning yeah. off and doing my own so, and for that point onwards I basically <laughs> my day job was a video game journalist and my night job was I worked on comics mm. and eventually people started paying me for the comics like I said 2006 was phonogram and then I started getting work for higher stuff like the year after the year after that like 2007 2008 and when people started paying me I started doing it during the day because I could work out yeah. neat by doing Just, this yeah. and I about the time 2009 I realised I'm no you know despite thinking you I am a games journalist who occasionally does comics yeah. I looked at the money I was making yeah. no no I'm a I'm a comic writer yeah. who occasionally does games journalism yeah, so I started thinking myself in that way and in 2010 I kind of um, explicitly did a kind of it is over now I am now not yeah. doing any more games journalism except when I cannot help myself how yeah. did you adapt to writing comics and how do you approach writing a comic do you write very detailed descriptions do you direct the art or do you write a very loose kind of I'm kind of, of you hand over <laughs> yeah um, the fact I I mean there's two traditional ways of writing comics and um which is Marvel method, and I apologise yes. if I'm being boring to anybody who knows this. And the full no, script, I think it's good. No, I think it's good, it's good, good yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Marvel method is the, the short way of describing it was pretty much invented by Marvel in the '60s, and the idea is you basically the writer writes a story almost, yeah. occasionally broken up into pages, as in mm. this happens on this page one, but occasionally not, and then the artist adapts the story, and then the writer comes in afterwards and adds the dialogue, okay. um, and that's in, <clears throat> got various strengths. There's a kind of symbiotic energy, and the artist has a lot more freedom. Yeah. Um, its weaknesses it would include it really is putting a lot of faith in the artist if it goes wrong it goes amazingly wrong yeah. it's really uh, good when you have Jack Kirby yeah. Yeah. If, if I could actually resurrect Jack Kirby it might work I, I've done some stuff in Marvel Method it's worth stressing but it's kind of it does put so much faith in the artist yeah. and 
in terms of like it's, it's the Warren Ellis. I learned to write from reading a few Warren Ellis columns. At least yeah. that's my starting place. Um, and this was right. So you may be thinking this these pages or oh, have to be um, uh, you know a talking heads like a serious conversation where you explain the plot. Hmm. And the artist may think I I really want to have a draw picture of a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you come back and you realise you've got a page of dinosaur. I've got to put some dialogue on the dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had some dialoguing dinosaur moments because that's yeah. the mm. and that's. The, that's part of the fun of the medium. They yeah, kind of, yeah, oh my yeah. god, what the hell am I going to do? Uh, full script is the other way of doing it, and the way I primarily works. Mm. And it's basically, it's like the world's most anal screenplay in terms of page one, panel one, uh, medium shot on of three yeah. men talking about comics yeah. in, in the IGN room. Uh, the, the men look like this. Descriptions, uh, dialogue. Kieran colon. Yeah. I'm going to tell you about comics. Panel two, close on Kieran waving his hands around like an idiot. Yeah. Um, comics. This is. Do you know what I mean? As yeah, you're very complicated. Yeah, yeah. That sounds really good, though. Like, but it's like, control like, in that. Yeah. That's amazing. And the question is, is that you can write that. Mm. It's like, but the artist, how much will the artist choose to follow it? Okay, to right, submit yeah. to it, in a way. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I don't want them, I think no, it's, yeah. that's, it's a soft back and forth. As in, yeah. I start all my scripts. That's a, I write <clears> heavy scripts. I mean, not heavy like Alan Moore. Alan Moore yeah. does about like 20,000 words a script. Yeah. And not light. There's people who write lighter than me. My scripts for like Marvel tend to be about five, 6,000 words. My scripts for like create our own projects tend to be a bit longer yeah I, I generally write what I need um, and I tend to make myself quite personal I tend, if I know the artists I write jokes for them or I, course, to, yeah, I yeah. talk in a human way pretty much all my scripts start with I write the way I write because I want to make sure there is a way to tell the story this is not saying you have to tell the story this way you're but you're an artist you've got a better visual imagination than I am by definition yeah. that's why you're the artist yeah. <laughs> um, you know interesting do you ever draw anything because no. I know I read it I listened to interviews with um, um, Jeff Johns and Grant Morrison and they kind of do rough sketches they hand off to the artist but uh, again as kind of suggestions and I only sketch when that, I, I would I only sketch when something I am trying to describe is impossible yeah, that's a good way of putting it. As in, like, there's, there's definitely me and Jamie, uh, Jamie McKelvey, tend to push the form. So occasionally, I get an idea for a sequence, um, and that it just doesn't translate to words. So I'll do a scribble yeah. or like that kind of thing, and then he will get and Jamie will run with it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I normally describe my scripts a bit like love letters. Okay. It's about trying to seduce somebody into making them do what you want to do. <laughs> As in, please fall in love with me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- there is that element to it for me. As in, here is a, a persuasive argument why I think this is the best way to do it. Yeah. But tell me if I'm full of shit. Sorry. That's um, no, okay. fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of the the collaboration is really the interesting part yeah. of it for me. Um, and actually, but for so me, the reason why yeah. I write full script is because I like comics and I like stories. But specifically, I got into comics to write comics. Yeah. And if I'm not writing my, uh, full script and ch- call, calling individual panels not necessarily like the details but if I'm not doing the pacing that level yeah. I don't feel I'm writing comics okay. I feel I'm writing a story which someone else adapts to comics yeah. and that's kind of um, not something I'm particularly interested in because if it was I would get into a different medium Yeah, but that's my particular approach yeah do you find yourself like quite lucky then that Jamie walked up when he did? <laughs> it's weird. It's like look you, like you said because I, I put I put your work together so much. Like I don't know if you took either one of you out, what it would look like. It's fine, don't worry. I don't know if you took either you out of the equation. It's a completely different thing. It just I don't know how it would work. No, it's uh, I think about it quite a bit, and you get these kind of weird stories about bands forming or creators meeting. Yeah. Um, and he literally just walked up to you. Yeah. Um, to be fair, we were, you could see us, if you look at our history and our shared social group, you could see yeah. these people circling together. Right. This well, is one of my general pieces of advice to like creators when they say, I mean, I get asked quite a bit, how do you get into it? Or mm-hmm. how, would, how do you think yeah. I should get into it? 
and it's like immersing yourself in fandom and finding the part of fandom which is you mm. there's many parts of fandom which I wouldn't you know I'm not that guy you know there's, there's you know I'm not interested in that part of like comics yeah. but there are people are and there's nothing wrong with that those people get together it's only like games it's like you know if you were like you hang out with RTS people you know you're going to make an RTS game <laughs> you know people, people yeah. who care about certain things and that is what we scenes yeah. and we were moving these particles in the scenes and me and Jamie have a, an overlapping and often shared aesthetic yeah I, you know you'd like to say that it's inevitable to meet in practice it's not yeah. you're, you're very lucky yeah <laughs> yeah no that's interesting so at, then at what point obviously like Fornogram came out um, and at what point then were you you know were you approached by Marvel or were you sending them things or do you just you were a guy that they approached and came mm-hmm. to I never went I mean I so the way I got into comics like prop, like the full on in love with comics in 2000 yeah. and in 2010 I was writing four and that's a kind of if you think about it in any serious way it's amazing that makes no sense bonkers yeah, yeah. it's like uh, it's going to be a lot of people listening agreeing like what I know yeah. it's like, um, it, it was an intense you know when I was learning to write comics it's, you could sort of tell the comics I was writing because yeah. they were very clearly inspired by the uh, what I'd read the week before and mm. I don't mean like characters I mean like storytelling methods yeah, yeah. it's like when I was writing uh, when I was reading the week I read Luther Arkwright I was doing these big 12 panel slow motion scenes <laughs> and you know the week I read Sarah the, not week I read Sarah but more than week these yeah. kind of like uh, the, the multi panel transition across stuff and you can sort of see me ba- you're like rapidly absorbing yeah, yeah. stuff and that's kind of you, you you absorb your influences and eventually metabolise them into something which is basically you and that's kind of that was the same mm. as games writing that's the same as like any writing really I think yeah, yeah, you've got I to allow so. to be derivative yeah. <laughs> and hopefully get over it um, I've lost track of the track um, I've the segue into Marvel yeah. I was like I didn't ever really see myself as a Marvel writer. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I like Marvel comics. I got, you know, I got in like circa 2000, which is like where um, Joe Grisado was basically Re- resetting, resetting it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, very much changing the beat of yeah. Marvel and a very different company. And it's like this is new X-Men uh, by, you know, Grant, uh, Grant and Quat Frank, you know, books like I particularly love like um, Pete Milligan Pete Milligan's one of my favourite comic writers and all read uh, doing X-Force and those mm. kind of books. And they was like, they had, a, they had a sensibility that appealed to me, so I, that's one reason the period I lent towards Marvel. Yeah, but I never really saw myself as a guy pitching them as much as I loved the the, the thing. So I basically had my stuff out there. Um, what actually, actually, I'm lying. I sort of semi pitched a, a, a Dazzler story at them because yeah. M- Matt Fraction was writing for the writing for them at the time. <clears throat> yeah, and I people used to in interviews ask me what Marvel, you know, what superheroes you want to write. Yeah, and of course. This is kind of Comic Express, and God bless Comic Express, I love them. But like, if I'm hyping my dodgy indie book, I'm not very interested in talking about stuff that isn't. Of course, yeah. My, yeah. You know, and that's kind yeah. of. And also the fact that superheroes dominate the conversation is problematic. Mm, yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I have a prepared joke answer, and the project, obviously, I want to write Dazzler. Mm. Photogram yeah. about pop music. So it fits it, together quite well, though. It, yeah. it, it gets a laugh, yeah. we move on. Yeah. But the problem by making that joke and being a writer, you just part of your brain starts thinking about <coughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> <Maybe. laughs> yeah. And I end up having this idea. So I just hammered out this um, idea for like Dazzler plays a gig on the moon to Celestials. It's basically a prog versus disco story. The entire synopsis was put online. I logged it up online last year after Greg Pax urged me to, and actually it went quietly viral in a, in a, a small way yeah. um, so anyone wants to see that please google it it's, it's possibly funny and uh, Black Bolt <laughs> sings backing vocals at the gig and it's, uh, it's very stupid that's good um, so I love that because they were looking for a Dazzler Mini but it didn't work for lots of reasons yeah. not least it was utterly bonkers um, I got in at Marvel the thing about Phonogram is obviously people listening probably haven't read it Phonogram is this kind of like very low level urban fantasy comic about 
pop music being magic specifically mm. any music and I, I define pop music in the widest terms um, and it is very it's very critically dense it involves people sitting around and smoking cigarettes and not really doing much um, there's no likeable characters there's no fight scenes um, and it, it reviewed and then Marvel yeah. came knocking Marvel was like <laughs> we need more smoking actually people knew it, it reviewed very well so yeah. it, was, yeah. it was good but it, was, it doesn't really scream this guy is definitely mm. the guy to take over a four yeah um, Warren Ellis bless his cotton socks um, <laughs> I don't think he wears cotton socks <laughs> he um, he was doing a book called Universal for Marvel mm. and there was um they wanted Marvel wanted to do some tie-ins, like you know, one-off, yeah, s- single issues. And what Marvel said, yeah, okay, as long as I get to pick the writers. And Warren is an incredible. I was talking about this recently with other people, but Warren has is the secret curator of like Naughty's comic culture. He so many people owe Warren so much in terms of like he's somebody who genuinely cares about the medium yeah. and, and like tries to introduce people and gives so many people so much good advice. There's you know I don't even want to list names, but it's kind of like yeah. we, we, a lot of is people owe Warren stuff. Yeah. And um, so Warren, for these three things, uh, Warren said, I would like, I think Kieran should do one. Um, and if Kieran should do the 1950s uh, James Elroy kind of one, which is of course completely different to Phonogram. Yeah. Um, so I did that. And I'm pretty sure Marvel like raised their eyebrow a bit. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I did it and it worked very, you know, people seemed to like it in terms of like, and it went around Marvel and they went, so this is, people like Phenogram, but it's like this guy can actually write superheroes as well. Yeah. So this kind of like quite gritty, serious, uh, I, I shot Tony, I shot an alternate dimension Tony Stark in the first three pages and we've got this kind of, the, the, the it showed I could do other things. Yeah. It's the best thing. And like two other editors of Marvel like messaged me, in fact, I, I thought there were one editor because I couldn't believe two editors were interested in me. It was one kind of like completely uh, failing to understand. Yeah. Um, and they offered me like these uh, picture this other idea yeah or like we, we're interested in a Dazzler story my first Marvel Universe story was actually an eight page Dazzler story separate to that yeah uh, so these so like an eight page story then said okay we've got this fill in issue um, do that and I did that and then oh we got three issue mini do that so it's kind of like by not it, messing up yeah that's the best way of putting keeps going. it keeps going kind of like I did work that, that was pleasing to me then yeah one time <laughs> and all those kind of stuff and it basically like playing a, a clue later on a gambling machine and it got to, <laughs> and it got to the point where um, it's like yeah he JMS quit four and it was like we need someone to actually take over four quickly in a really horrible position he, he <laughs> hello give, give, give it a shot and I always joke about that when it um I remember being on a comment thread reading people like speculating who would be taking over and yeah. saying I feel sorry for that guy. <laughs> and then, like a couple of days later, I get a phone call, and I, uh, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> yeah, so no, I am that guy. Um, so yeah, that was. It's the weird thing is that I I got a break and didn't mess it up. It's kind mm. of like I mean, it's like any form of freelance writing. You know, it's yeah. like you you go you try new writers all the time, and occasionally some people just do one review and it's so bad you never hire them ever yeah. again. Yeah. And does it come to a point where that relationship changes in a different way where they say you're like one of our guys now? Oh, yeah. And then, I don't know, was it like round Marvel now or like something like that where mm. they said, do they offer you and go, what would you like to do? It's, bit, it's like, there's always dialogue. I mean, I was, um, I mean, I, I was, exclu- when I left RPS, I, I signed an exclusive with Marvel. That was okay. exact, I kind of timed at the same time. Yeah. Um, uh, so there is those kind of conversations and then, I mean, Marvel now is like they suggested things for me. Yeah. They said if you've got different ideas, you've got something you really want to do, talk about that. Um, so yeah, there's the back and forth about, and you know, there's a variety of books I am doing right now, which, yeah. which come from different places. Um, that's not really a very good answer. That was a kind of fluffy no, answer. The answer is it's complicated. Yeah. But it's like 
I don't think I've ever pitched Marvel. When I say that, as in like all those kind of things, they came to me saying, "Oh, we, we need an we want to do an Ares mini. Yeah. What what have you got?" So it's that kind of like I don't often think about other people's characters unless you are paying me. Okay, okay. it's a good way of putting yeah. it. In that kind of the things I don't, I don't. And that sounds cynical to people. No, but it's no. not. It's like it's actually a kind of it's a professional distance because yeah. since you do not own the characters, you have to basically be a professional. So I have to that I, I describe it as emotional yeah. contraceptives. At the same time, like you know, I will um, I will give everything to any project I do. Yeah, but I have to still on some level know it is not quote unquote mine. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, that yeah, makes that, sense. That sounds depressing. But I know. No, no, I mean, yeah. that's a very like. And I love doing that, you know. Yeah. It's um, and I love the challenge. I love the idea of someone phoning and me and it's like, I always say, "Beat Ray Bill, Beat Ray Bill." Yeah. The, you know, the, the, the horse face. Oh, that's one of the early things you did for yeah. Marvel. Yes, and it was like, I mean, what do you do? You get a phone call, go to Beat Ray Bill story. So you, I sat down, looked at where he was in continuity. Yeah, what was up to? What were the major unrevealed plot threads? And then I start thinking, what's Beat Ray Bill really about? So you just sort of sit down and sort of think like this. Sort of drumming your, you know, drumming your fingers. What what does this space, the you know, this horse uh, space monster mean? I was yeah. like, well, you know, he's an alien. That means that's science fiction. You know, that's that's a fundamentally an atheistic construct. It's an ordered view of the world. It's rationalist. Yeah. At the same time, however, he is, you know, he's been given the powers of a god, which yeah. is a theistic view of the world. Mm. This is an irrational view of the world. So it's a, this is the entire character is about contradiction. <laughs> Uh, and he's also about this utterly ludicrous idea that he's a horse-faced four guy, <laughs> so that they, the, 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 the the glorious like over the topness of the Marvel universe. Yeah. And I start like pulling the story together and adding Galactus. It's basically you know, Beat Ray Bill tries to hunt down and kill Galactus. So this is basically <coughs> a hunt for God story, but in a very literal. Literally, yeah, yeah. So you know that's kind of that's the way I genuinely think. As in, it's kind of a critic's way of thinking. It's a, yeah. you sort of, I think so. Yeah, trying yeah. to work out. What's not been done? What has been done? What the hook is? What is yeah. fundamental? What's the inroad, what's, yeah. what, what interests you? Yeah. I mean, I talk about Warren as a. This is the third time I mentioned Warren in an interview, so I probably owe him money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like one thing I've always loved about his. It's third time, it's like Beetlejuice. He'll appear. Really taxes with his cane. Um, it's like it, it always worked for higher stuff. You can sort of tell he has found something I find interesting here, mm. and it's like if you're not interested in the concept, it's going to be boring, it's going to be boring as hell. And it's also I admire Warren's writing because it's about something. Even if it's kind of like what you might think is like, oh, it's you know, it's a, it's a Beat Ray Bill adventure story. It's yeah, a, it still has to have some some form has, of meat yeah. there. I mean, that's the school I belong to. Yeah, yeah other writers were definitely much more. Um, yeah, I say a word like popcorn. It sounds like insulting. I don't mean that. No, no, yeah, all. but it's like the only way I can work is in that mode, which mm. is a slightly over serious. I thought about this in, too much yeah. nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I hate myself. I'm literally, no. I'm, literally, I'm literally listening to myself here. I hate myself. Yeah, no, I hate it's myself. Fine. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like so. If you have an idea for a story when you're working on, you know, a big, a big name, and you want to bring in, what? How much license do you have? Just go. Oh yeah, I actually want to bring in another character now. Because like, you talked about continuity as yeah. well. Like, how much is like? What's the process for stuff like that? Because mm. obviously, there's more continuity than you can ever like reasonably digest <laughs> in, in in a, a short I'm period sure of time. Yeah, it's true. You <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Like you research it's tri- especially current thing. It's like if you've got an idea, you go to the editors. It's like I want to yeah. use this character, and they say yes or no. You know, the editors will talk to each other. Um, and normally I've researched where somebody is. I mean, the, the main reason why that Dazzler story I originally wanted to pitch would have worked, wouldn't it yeah. have worked, is that it was set on the dark side of the moon where the they were based for a while, but they weren't based there anymore. Right, okay. And uh, also they were kind of out of play in a different way. So there was the, the, the Inhumans weren't available for that yeah, story, yeah. in which case that story cannot be published. And that story is reliant on that bit of continuity. That's interesting, yeah. You know, so that was the... It might just been crap as well, but it was like, <laughs> but there was at least that reason I justified myself why they weren't going to go for it. Yeah. Um, uh, so there is that, but some of it's 
you can look at continuity and make argues can I use that and you know yeah. they can if Marvel think it's a good story they will they, they will twist it, things yeah. to make it work yeah. and that kind of like we can get this to work if, you know because we don't do stories about continuity we do stories about stories yeah um, so yeah that's probably not a very good answer no, but it's, gonna, it's, it's like basically what you can get away with and yeah. I, I research and I try to at least I like the idea that all my stories can be picked up by anybody and read I will tell you anything you need to know in the story however stuff that is continu- solely continuity I won't mention I will try to put a nod in for people who, <laughs> for people who love that stuff for people yeah. who know it yeah. to, to basically excuse this yeah. and it's kind of like yeah. um, I mean it's not like Vader it's like um, uh, the first issue is Tattoo Knee uh, yeah. which is oh, I'm so bad at pronouncing any words so I can't even pronounce four my TH is terrible <laughs> but it's like you know obviously Vader being on the planet is you know that that's loaded in many ways. Yeah. So, but but I'm not going to stop and say I cannot go. You know, it's, it's bad for me to return to this planet because of my awful history yeah. here and all the things I connect with it. Yeah. Um, you just have to. But but, I, but you know, yeah. I can all I can do soft nods in the story without making it explicit. So yeah. That's what I try to do to anybody anybody who cares about the continuity. I hope is attentive enough to realise I'm trying to throw them a bone. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, the, the, but the, the, your primary urge has to be to the story you are telling at this in this moment. Yeah, it's especially with the Marvel universe. It's um, it's an exciting hedge, right? You know, this is a, a so many stories are published in the interlink, and they form this exciting mesh of things. Yeah. Um, and if you know, and if you actually genuinely try to go through it, it is maddening, and there's some fundamental things you cannot even reconcile, which is kind of I, I sort of joke is the um. If you think about the, 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 the only thing you have to believe in the Marvel Universe is the Marvel timeline. You have to simultaneously believe that uh, the, uh, the Fantastic Four watched the moon landings. At the same time, the Fantastic Four only went to another rocket ship 12 years ago. These, these two things are not contradictory. You have to believe them once in a kind of like 1984 double think. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Give yourself to it. Yeah, yeah. As in, you, you have to accept this and that's fine. Yeah. And you know, you hold, the, hold both those contradictory ideas at the same time. And once you've done that, the rest of it's kind of easy. <laughs> yeah. You touched upon Vader a little bit then, yeah. so you know, I'm, I'm interested, obviously, that's the big thing that you're working on now. Um, but I think I read somewhere that you almost turned it down. Is that right? I considered it. It was like, um, I mean, Jason said yes immediately in that kind of like Star Wars yeah. way. And right, you know, and rightly so. I was like, um, it was, it's few I was, I think, you know, this is, I wanted to do a villain project for a long time. The mm. idea, there's lots of things about the project I liked, but specifically what held me back was the... I'm trying to the phrases. The idea that basically we would be doing important scenes. Right. As in the idea, this is basically... Okay. The thing that attracted me to Vader in the end was that, you know, it's not just doodling in the margins of a story. Yeah. Mm. These are fundamentally important scenes for Vader's history. This is canon yeah. in terms of stuff. You know, we've never seen Vader's response to understanding that um, Lucas is son. You know, and that those kind of things, mm. and uh, we've never seen. Um, or you know, as a, lot, lot, lots of things in there, specifically yeah. the reactions, and it's like I would get to do that. Okay, and I would get to the person. That's a lot of weight to shoulder. Like. And, it, and it was like, uh, the weight doesn't bother me. The question is, would I be best for it? Okay. Because you know, Star Wars is something that is fundamentally important. This is like I'm at the age that Empire was the first movie I saw in the cinema. Yeah. So in other words, these are formative. As someone wow. who writes pulp fiction for a living, yeah, these are formative things that lie in the gut of me. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Star Wars is, I'm the sort of fan where I, if it's not good, it's not really Star Wars I care about. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that I say that in kind of like it's really the, the quality is what matters. It's yeah. got to basically up to up to that scratch. So I was like, 
And there's other. Is there anybody else who could do this better? Who you know writes Marvel and is in the position to be writing it? Yeah. And is there anybody else who, um, or at least much better? I'm sure. Mm. <laughs> or, or and is there anyone else? Yeah, that, those kind of questions. And is this something you really want to take because you're taking an opportunity? Mm. And it's not just like I'm going to be writing Iron Man for a bit and then someone else will write Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. This is very specifically. Here's a hole in history. I will be filling that hole. Yeah. Um, and that's what made me think about it seriously. Uh, and then I sort of went away and I thought, actually, no, yes, that this is, um, I'd probably, in terms of like Marvel writers, I'm the person, I'm, how do you phrase this? I like villains more than most of them. Yeah. As in, I think my villains are better than my heroes. Um, you know, my most successful books, like my X-Men, you could certainly argue my X-Men run was basically the X-Men as villains. <laughs> my journey to mystery is basically me writing Loki. He's yeah. my definitive character, probably for Marvel. Mm. You know, uh, all those kind of problem. I'm very interested in the question of why people do bad things. Yeah. Is that something Marvel identified and came to you with, or is it something you kind of no, this you is, knew was happening? This and is what I talk your, in my, you know, I, I, name I, I run the dialogues myself. I'm aware that I'm very interested in bad people. Um, in that kind of like, like they, they, it bugs me because everyone knows yeah. what is good. Why would anyone be bad? Um, that's a very simple way of putting it but yeah. that's kind of the, that, yeah. that is right at the heart of a lot of my better writing and I say that in quotation marks yeah uh, I hate myself again <laughs> and I thought well no it's like you know yeah this is and you've always wanted to do a villain book I mean my head part of me is like I kind of want to do a Doctor Doom book it's yeah. one of those yeah. kind of like Doctor Doom makes a lot of sense to me hmm. um, but the idea of like, no me doing Vader in this position in this time this is really it's very exciting um, it's so important as well yeah like it's kind of it's, it's um it feels very cool. It's like, and I think it's weird because um, I thought it would be much harder than it's proving to be. I was expecting, you know, the idea. Any time you not working with one set, of, you know, working with Marvel is one thing. Marvel and Lucasfilm, yeah, you know, the idea that this would be a lot of work. And it, yeah, it's been actually fine. Lucas, they've been incredibly generous. Um, they've been, their actual suggestions are great. That's you great. know, when they say no, I get why. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and I've come all those sort of things. And when I'm writing it, it is delightful which yeah. is a weird thing to say about Darth Vader as I write it and I have enormous fun with it as in um, they're not saying no to you you're like no he doesn't listen to David Bowie you can't be listening to David Bowie all the time Kira he's got a cape of course he does it's much more James Brown kind yeah. of like uh, you know cape and hottest working man in J- show business James Brown's the Black Panther so you can't have that <laughs> um I'm I'm shocked by how much I enjoy writing it in that kind of like I'm not banging my head against the wall or anything it's like the tone is is freeing I feel genuinely quite free when being as this this awful person that's kind of like both me and Jason who's obviously writing Star Wars kind of our our aim is to make it feel like Star Wars not like a tie-in the idea of like you know the the tone um, has to be okay how does and Jason's job is quite different from mine. Yeah. Jason is trying to make it feel like Star Wars with the Rebel cast. Yeah. So in other words, so Jason's comic just to fill people in launched about three weeks ago, or something yeah, like that. Awesome. Star Wars issue one. Yeah. Marvel got the rights back from Dark Horse, and your Vader's set at the same time as his comic. Yeah. Mm. Well, the idea is they're kind of they're in exactly the same period. In okay. the, then sort of is it between f- Empire, um, New, Hope and New Hope, Empire. Yep. and Empire? Uh, we pick up pretty much immediately afterwards. And we're kind of what I always describe as soft crossover. Okay. Because when me and Jason previously wrote Uncanny X Men and Wolverine and the X Men at the same time, yeah. And each one had their own very different tones. Like Wolverine and X Men was much more playful, and mine was a very big, serious superhero team as nuclear deterrent book. But there was enough threads going on between them mm-hmm. that made if you read both, it kind of paid. Especially with like also Rick Remender's X Force at the same time, you could see 
elements being picked up by books but if you only read one you wouldn't notice yeah yeah that's kind of what we're doing here in the idea that you know i actually i start just after episode three of star wars so in other words star wars opens with a raid on a military base and i pick up on vader reporting the results of that raid to the emperor how does that actually work at the level of just like your workflow do you like just talk about ideas do you send him scripts yeah, while we, you're working on them just so he can like then extrapolate <clears throat> something he can use himself oh yeah and so we're aware that we, we create enough space to do our own stories because okay. basically what Vader's up to the only way I describe it is basically in Jason's book Vader is the arch villain yeah. you know he's Darth yeah. Vader <laughs> you know he is the yeah. this, uh, this oppressive <laughs> yeah. enormous black figure who is yeah. behind them every step of the way they can't escape the guy in my book that's what he does on Tuesdays you know, um, he's a man who is. He's, he's got. Um, so he's got a file of facts. He's yeah. got so many other things to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, that's, and that I'm basically the primary thrust of my yeah. book is the other things. Yeah. Okay. At the same time, whilst him trying to find time to hunt down Luke, because yeah. he, you know, quite early in my run, he realizes who Luke is and what that means. And right. that my last twenty years <clears throat> of my life has been a lie. In some way, and that's that's about as big as it gets. Yeah, yeah. that's huge. Um, yeah. If you think about that for genuinely dig into the emotions of it, it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, Even if you yeah, take Darth Vader out of that, and that's still horrible. You know, so I yeah, it's an, oh, oh, you know, the love of my life. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought, a, I thought she, you know, yes, she died, but B, so I. That's that's further down the line. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can imagine all the kind of responses somebody might have to that. Yeah. I have a Vader, and of course, the trick of writing that book. Is uh, not doing that without reducing Vader. Of course, Vader is a move. You know, mm. he's. I don't do like internal narrative uh, captions or anything like that. You are slightly distanced to Vader, mm. and so you meant to. There's a lot about reading into what he would feel, and we have yeah. a supporting cast around him who kind of pick up the weight there. But Vader is. I think I put this in my original pitch document. You should be scared to be in the same room with him. Not. He's never. It's never comfortable with Vader. You're yeah. aware that if the wrong thing is said, you could just be dead, mm. and that's kind of part of the book for me. Yeah. Um, so, so, it's, so whilst Jason is doing the kind of the Star Wars mood, I've got to work out a way to make something feel like Star Wars from the evil point of view. Right. And there's like the problem with like the thing we I have to overcome is that um, if you just do a straight Empire book, you have got a load of guys with face masks on, so yeah. no one can emote. And B, it's all very. <clears throat> there's not much. There's not much. Star Wars is about like capital R romance you know the, yeah. the, the, the glory yeah. and the freedom and the um, people doing enormously cool things and not the fascist jack boot on humanity so I had to work out ways to without reducing Darth Vader <laughs> add elements that are analogous to a Star Wars and make can it you talk about the supporting cast like this uh, podcast will go out after oh no, the comics house it's, it's, yeah. it's actually the first issue is very, it's very much concentrated on Vader yeah. as yeah. in we you know Vader visits, yeah, visits Jabba and um, it sets up the situation I mean the situation is he is the sole, one of the sole survivors of the biggest military disaster of all time, and if you you know if you rewatch all Star all the yeah. Star Wars movies, the Emperor was planning you know the Death Star was the plan. We build the Death Star takes twenty years, and then we can get, finally get rid of the Senate, which they do at the start of New Hope, and then we can rule the galaxy because we don't need the Senate because we've got this enormous threatening device. Yeah, they don't have the enormous threatening device anymore because it blew up. <laughs> That's all. That is. This is really bad for the empire. Yeah. You know, this is kind of like they, they can't no longer. So it's the, the entire. So one of my favourite things is writing the scroll text for the first issue, yeah. and I yes. write that a scroll text in the style from the empire's perspective. Empire's perspective. It was a time of insurgence. <laughs> <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of goes from there. That's, that's I mean, There's so much. That's very cool. It, yeah. That's fun, but at the same yeah. time yeah. doesn't undermine it. I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. At the same time, Vader is. Whilst Vader's not solely to blame. He is at least 
the only the only person to blame still around. Yeah. The idea, you know, he let the rebels escape with the plans deliberately in an attempt to get them find their base. That is completely what he did deliberately. Yeah. So if he didn't do that, they would probably still have a Death Star. You know, so he is his standing has fell in the Emperor's eyes. Yeah. And of course, when you get to Empire, you know he's recovered his standing. There's an implied story that Vader ends up, you know, and that, at least a lot of my stuff yeah. is about. I mean, the metaphor I always use is House of Cards. Yeah. And the idea here is that here's a, a powerful man who feels slighted who turns to method he might not otherwise do yeah. uh, to regain his standing. And, you know, obviously Vader's a very different character uh, from Francis. Yeah. But that kind of structure, the idea of yeah. Vader trying to do stuff secretly because he no longer can do stuff openly. Yeah. Okay. And that's a lot of the things that drive the book. Supporting cast... A lot. I mean, I wouldn't say the inspiration for this, but one of the inspiring things was watching in Empire. You know, when he's briefing the bounty hunters. Mm. Yeah. Uh, two things there: micromanaging. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't do that. <laughs> he's got bigger problems. Uh, two. Um, he knows them all. Yeah. You know, there's a the you know specifically when you it's like when you're commissioning a freelancer, you say <laughs> don't don't be late with this one. Uh, you really can't be late with this one. Yeah. That's exactly the same Boba Fett notice integrations. He no, there is a. A familiarity okay, yeah, there. Yeah. The idea he has moved in bounty hunter circles before. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's kind of gives you says you a bit about where we build up the supporting cast. The yeah. idea of like in the underworld, there's a lot of crossing over there and those kind of characters. Yeah. I mean, Boba Fett turns up in the first issue as everyone has seen. Yeah. But there's people yeah. I invent. There's people who are new. But they're kind of the darker side, and that allows you to I, 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 darker side. I mean, more shadowy side. That kind of yeah. roguish area. Yeah. So that allows me to build up characters with very different personality types from just the stormtrooper yeah. you know the idea that you can do stuff outside the fascist organisation and yeah. to be honest that feels more Star Wars the, yeah. the kind of the, the, the of course, yeah. you need a Han Solo and my, yeah. my Han Solo the, the character who kind of fits the Han Solo archetype introduced in issue 3 mm. who is um, a character called Aphra okay. uh, who is we said this in solicit she's kind of like um Ethically inverted Indiana Jones would be a good way of putting it. She is a, she's a somebody who finds old old artifacts and weapons yeah. and puts them in the wrong hands. Okay, okay, because you know it should be in an armory. Yeah, <laughs> in that kind of way. So that's kind of and it, there's fun and it's <clears throat> but she's both fun and playful, also really messed up. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of tonally. It's like a very. Yeah. It's a very. My book's quite often a dark mirror. Yeah. To a Star Wars itself is a good way of putting it. <laughs> How much of it is, I mean, I was just interested in when you were talking about, oh, yeah, you know, it's Vader's fault that they, you know, got out there with the plans. It almost sounds like this is pub chat that I've been having since I was like 18, 19 years old with people going, ah, well, actually, like, how much of that do you, you know, as being a Star Wars fan, do you bring into yeah. your actually well, writing? My, my most extreme fan theories have entirely been thrown out because we can't do that. <laughs> they're, they're literally cheating. Yeah. Uh, but, because, uh, we actually had Gary Witter on the podcast last week and he was saying there's a couple of people at Lucas who they're like, you know, they are, they know every single mm. thing. They're like oracles. Did you have access to them? Could you go to them with your ideas and be the, like, What was the yeah. thing they had once the called story the Holocron? Oh no, um, like the centralized yeah. continuity thing. Mm. Well, I, went to, I went to a talk about it at Star Wars yeah. Celebration. You really? Okay. <laughs> mm. uh, well, the, sto- yeah, so, the story group are pretty much those people, as in they're kind of like. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, the it's interesting. That, they're like, ha ha. Yeah. No, no, no. Way. <laughs> no I don't. I'm so, I don't do anything deconstructionary. It's the best way. Yeah, yeah. As in, like, I mean, my joke. My, if I'm in the, if you get me in the pub, I do a kind of joke reading that you know Obi Wan knows everything. Obi Wan actually killed Luke's family to make them go with him. Right. Because you know he immediately before Luke tells them the family is dead. Yeah. Obi Wan actually comforts him. And it says that, you know, there's kind of... Yeah, Vita definitely, you know, and he also killed all the Jawas in that kind of like, you know, oh yeah, Vita definitely Imperial Marksman who did this. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's like, obviously I'm joking for that. But, you know, if you want to do an extreme reading, of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't 
you wouldn't do that in yeah. any series. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they kind of, you know, Vader completely, you know, Vader explicitly said, we're taking a big, you know, talking over, we're taking a big risk here, Vader. Mm-hmm. They, they will lead us straight. And then, then you get Leah going the, um, no, they let us go. You know, so this isn't even like a conspiracy. This is very explicitly this is yeah, yeah, yeah. the story. <laughs> that, uh, people tend to like, they tend to forget that bit, I think. Yeah. Um, where was I? So that the building off that yeah. struck me as very because you know it, it's a big mistake. So, you know, Vader isn't going to shirk that off. Vader no. will take responsibility because he's that guy. Um, Hold his hands up in the pub, guys. On Friday, I'm, I'm really sorry. I messed up here. <laughs> Omni. <laughs> yeah. it's, I must say, sorry, writing a Vader and the Emperor together is fun because yeah. it's kind of when you start thinking about the, the power struggle between the two, especially Crazy, when yeah. when Vader realizes that he has been lied to. There's a, there's an implied the paradigm differential there and what they are not talking about and yeah. any scene this is this is secret of drama is what they're not talking about yeah. I mean, okay for me the secret of drama is what people what are saying is minor what they're not ex- actually genuinely expressing is where things are interesting yeah um, and so any, any scene I've written with those two in really really fun yeah uh, so yeah so that kind of and the, the plot elements that kind of come into play I mean basically in the first episode Vader becomes aware of two things. A, he's aware that something's going up with this Luke kid. Yeah. <laughs> not that he knows who Luke is, but yeah. the name, but he knows he's not an idiot. As yeah. in, you, you get a series yeah. of flashbacks and he kind of pieces these information together. As in, he had a light... In We will see in Jason's book, he had a lightsaber. Yeah. He had an he's He knew Obi-Wan. Some training. This, this guy yeah, some... was strong with the Force. Yeah. And that kind of... Tony, it's really fun seeing Dan <clears throat> writing. The Force is strong with this one. Yeah. It, it, even in a flashback. And I get paid for that. Yeah. Brilliant job. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we've got we've got a weekly Star Wars show called Rebel Base and we sort of we took the first issue yeah. and we sort of tore it apart not, not tore it apart in a bad way but sort of went through it quite sort of methodically like and a, a lot of the things we were saying is some of the references maybe felt a bit heavy handed uh, whereas you know there's a bit where he says uh, these aren't the uh, these aren't the slaves you're looking for and he goes oh uh, oh well that was worth a try and we, we were like okay for me, that feels slightly heavy-handed. Like, how hard is it for you when you're writing to sit down and go, "You need to hit the references. You need to hit the, you know, the fanboys up." But you know, I think it's a really hard line. To, I think yeah, it's a really hard really line to walk. Cool. There's definitely some bits of like, I wrote and then I cut. Yeah. Or I wrote and handed in and then we cut. Yeah. <laughs> in that when I. Or you wrote, laughed, then we like, no, we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's also okay. There's a, the, the, mo- the more jokey it gets, the more exactly. Yeah. There's a couple of Afro specifically. The fact she's a bit more playful means. Okay. There's a few lines she said to Vader in issue three when she met him. Yeah. Were referencey, and I was like, no, this is no, too much. Yeah. Well, I'm very glad we lost them. Yeah. But there's other soft. I mean, there's a bit. What do you feel about issue one? Where I've got a good feeling about this. I thought that was good. I like that. That was one of the ones actually we thought yeah, we, we like that. We yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I thought that was a really yeah. good one because I, I feel like it's something people would say. Yeah. Like I think it's, it's very hard because you have to realize it depends how strict you want to be with the logic of it, and the characters within the situation would have no knowledge of exactly. any it's of this stuff. About, yeah. So if they hark on it or channel it, it's kind of strange and reality breaking yeah it's, it's really it's really difficult because it's an illusion because it's kind of like yeah the opening scene of Vader I don't mean in a bad way but the, the illusion as in how much are people willing to go with it yeah but, and there's a couple of bits where I you, my natural I'm writing Vader very straight yeah it's about, right, there's very little of my met, as in I'm quite a meta writer I generally yeah. talk about the, the fiction I'm writing a lot and I'm not doing because that's not Star Wars yeah but like the opening is Vader heading into Jabba's palace and he walks and it's basically a kind of shot for shot reconstruction yeah. of Luke's um, yeah and those pages are in Star Wars they are yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
that is walking line there but the, you know the point is I'm trying to it's not really a joke it's about drawing a difference these are two cats who are similar yeah. you know these are two yeah, I think it is because this is what Luke will, you know what will eventually happen yeah. this is yeah. this, will is, this is what Luke will but in fact we know what Luke does in that situation how yeah. what Vader does in a similar situation and different tells you how Vader is different to Luke yeah and uh, all the way all the way through that yeah. I mean there's one of my yeah all the way through that that's kind of how it works for me yeah and that's that's the point of that and basically and so you know Luke is the lead of Star Wars Vader's lead of my book yeah. so drawing the, the Dark Mirror that's yeah. the kind of I said that earlier but that's kind of how I'm thinking of this yeah. and Vader turns up and he acts very differently towards Jabba than Luke does you know it's even even stuff like the pit you know as in there's a bit he actually steps he's standing on the pit and he's and he just steps back yeah, <laughs> he looks down and then he takes one step back and has an exchange glance. You know, and that's you know because Vader, you know, Vader's better in the Force than Luke is at this exactly, point. Exactly, yeah. And that's kind of and those kind of, I, I, you know, whilst they are clearly dancing with the text, yeah, that I would hope they are not too much for people. Yeah, um, though, you know, that's it's only so hard. Trying to difference between showing something new and something there's elements of like there's part of the fanboyness of it. Yeah, you, you kind of want to see stuff you know. At the same time, you want to be make up new stuff that feels like Star Wars yeah. is the way I would put it and that's kind of that's a lot of my idea I've thrown a load of ideas out which I thought were interesting yeah. but not Star Wars um, and like especially with the villains as in you know, a lot of Vegas antagonists are new characters yeah um, so I'm trying how, how, you know what can I do that's new in Star Wars that's the big challenge a lot yeah. of them are fun as in when I sat, you know, I sat down and I watched all the movies I had in my notepad yeah. and we watched it very intensely me and my wife and it's pages of scribble this is like if we ever do a big collection these yeah. scribble at the back I suspect we should include that's, so, that kind of, that's that, amazing homework <laughs> was that part of the pitch process uh, or it was, it was, it was actually after like, that it was I wish I can't remember which order I did it I think I actually did this this is after as after it was kind of like let's do it that way as in it was me looking for meat yeah. as in I kind of had the I didn't need the, the close reading wasn't required because the basic pitch is Vader running an, uh, Vader builds his own power source inside yeah. the Empire trying yeah. to re- reclaim his status as he has fell after the events of Star Wars that's kind of stuff I could do off my knowledge of Star Wars yeah. Yeah. as part of that process did you watch the prequels because obviously oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, you would have grown up with like one particular embodiment of Vader and then obviously later in your life you would have got this additional information about who this person is more knowledge more kind of things to draw upon how much did that stuff factor in um, intensely I mean you know this is all kind of um, when the you know the fact that the current situation due to the the, re, the extended universe yeah. and the, the compressing and the, the current situation the, the canon yeah, is yeah. the canon is controllable you know the canon is you know the six movies Rebels uh, Clone Wars or comics and the two books yeah. unless I'm missing anything that's you know I can consume that as opposed yeah, to Marvel yeah. when there's no way you have some mastery of yeah. I can actually have a close reading of the canon that's available um Especially the movies, which are the you know, which are the thing which most people be aware of. Mm. So, in terms of Vader's emotional journey, and I think you need to kind of Vader's realization that he has child children, you need to use the prequels by definition. Course, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know that, that's kind of like that, and that's why it matters to Vader, yeah. and that's why it's such an enormous, uh, you know, uh, everything changes moment for him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I lean on it all pretty much equally um, in terms of like thinking about Vader's interiority. In terms of what he's thinking, yeah. <laughs> As someone who's working on the Star Wars content, when the Force Awakens trailer obviously came out, like, what, what did you think? Because that does that does a really fine line of just brand new stuff, but then ends with a Falcon. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's interesting because it's like you know you want Star Wars, but it's kind of like um, 
So you, sorry, you want Star Wars, but you know, here is new stuff, here is also, and here yeah. is kind of how the two mashing. Yeah. And like, that's what, that's what I genuinely hope the Jabba's Palace stuff is. You know, Jabba invasion room, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, you know, and it leads to different places, and we start doing yeah. new stuff, and there's that kind of element. Um, I think it's Marvel, right? It's really, I think the one thing with the story group is very interesting, and in that. Especially the further I go on, the more I kind of like. I want to use. A, I want to use a, a crime organization here. Yeah, I can completely make one up. Is there anything you would suggest? Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's kind of quite. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. And that's, that's like. And I'm a bit, in other words, if it's if you're writing a genre plot. Yeah. If there's something else, because this the continuity is so small. I mean, small in the relative sense yeah, of the yeah. Marvel universe. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> As in, like, like the, you know, <laughs> if you're connectivity in an interesting way, that's that's a pretty cool opportunity. I want yeah. to lean into it. At the same time, there's. Some of the ideas, I'm, yeah, I'm very happy when I get an old note from like the story group. Going, I love this. Yeah, uh, that makes me quite happy. Yeah, that that's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah, uh, I'd like to move then. So let's talk about. Uh, we touched upon it a little tiny bit earlier, but like music and comics. So Foreigngram, you know, huge musical comic. Uh, Wicked Divine, I'm a huge, huge fan of. Uh, the mu- music runs through that entire thing. How do you write and make a comic that's about mu- essentially about music? Uh, <laughs> I tell you, what, it's one of these weird things. Of course. Comics and music are kind of literally opposite. Yeah. In that with um, music, with comics, you have control of uh, your visuals, and you have no sound, and you don't have any control of timing. As yeah. in people that you can't tell control how people will read your book. With music, it's literally the opposite. You have no visuals, <laughs> uh, you only have sound, and yeah. you have perfect control of timing. As in, you will can present people in information or like these are literally opposite. Yeah. Um, so it's impossible to do a one-for-one translation. And that's kind of where we started. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the appeal of it. The idea of trying to do something actually easily achievable strikes me as desperate under ambition. <laughs> it's like, and, and there's, a, there's a sort of magic when you fail to achieve something. Yeah. And you kind of have originality by default. As in, okay, here's an impossible problem. How can we try to even capture a slightest bit of it? Yeah. Um, okay, that'll work. So that's kind of what we do. So me and Jamie spend a lot of time thinking about different techniques. Yeah. And we, the actual uh, initial week tips go to bed to that night, which is basically our rave issue. And the entire issue is about um, it, a lot of drug stuff going on it. Yeah. There's a lot about like um, fate, uh, ketamine-esque time dilation. Mm. We yeah. have um, like sensory bloom. We have lots of colour and like um, visual effects. And we have a sense of momentum and how the... That's uh, cool. Yeah. And it's like an, across an entire issue. And we kind of did something similar before in issue seven of... Um, the single's called the second phonogram volume, yeah. which is basically structured around the song Wolf Like Me by TV on the radio. Okay. And it was basically this, it had the paneling work created a beat and it went verse, chorus, sorry, intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, uh, sorry, breakdown, uh, repeated chorus to end. Yeah. And what we did with the visuals and the story, we tried to create a narrative structure that basically mirrored the thing and the song. So we're trying to basically get that sense of fluid, fluid momentum. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're doing here. So that's like one way we did it. And there's yeah. like, so it depends how much you want to lean it. And sometimes it's just... Okay, they're extreme examples. That's when we really push it. Yeah. And occasionally more, it's just more like dudes talking shit in the pub. You yeah. know, that's kind of yeah. like, you know, it's more like the conversations you would have around culture. Okay. you know, um, we use music more. And I think, you know, somebody... I wrote about games with so many... I think the reason I do music more in my comics... Yeah. Is because I spent I had an outlet to get all the games out. <laughs> so I did, I did games writing. You know, I did music writing for various places, but... Yeah never as much so this kind of these ideas sort of sat in my head like a weird sort of pus <laughs> boil yeah. eventually like can, you know exploded at the top whilst games got to be slowly drained yeah <laughs> um, so yeah basically 
I just think it's interesting and the idea of actually it's kind of what criticism is anyway no yeah. criticism will ever really capture what the art does but you try to translate the feeling into the words or you know what you're talking yeah and um get something from that some of my favorite reviews literally I, I i synesthetically get what the medium is yeah uh so yeah that i guess <laughs> it's, 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 the fact it's impossible is at least part of the challenge and the interest Okay, cool. I mean, it's such a big part of the of the issues as well. But when I asked you about it just over email, I said, you know, there's a couple of songs. You sent me uh, <laughs> a playlist that was like 250 songs. I think it's 260 now. 260 <laughs> now, yeah. But every single one that I listened to, I I could think, and I, I was quite new to Wicked and Vine, but every single uh, song that I listened to, I was like, I can hear the comic in this song and that, that is a really odd thing for me to sort of put those two together thank you I mean it's like um, it's because I've started doing playlists for quite a long time and it's, yeah. Spotify makes making playlists public easier I've done it yeah. before I mean Young Avengers was big yeah. that was like 110 and We Can Divine is a, it's a, like a 30 to 60 issue series so yeah. I swear by the time the end of it it'll be every song I've ever liked <laughs> <laughs> um but that kind of the mood of it was very important yeah. um, especially because like last year was very intense for me personally mm. um, so yeah there was a lot of like songs as shorthand for emotions or states or thinking yeah. or ideas I mean like especially with Wicked Divine is that's a great noise it sounds like a big fart it won't pick up yeah. that much oh, that's a fine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a big fart when right, yeah. you say something really meaningful yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it's like and the mood we did we basically we yeah. we can actually do a comic that's we're going to make a big pop record yeah. I mean there's this one of my favourite reviews a critic called Doug Walt did okay. it's like um, Lennon and McCartney sat down to quote unquote write a swing, swimming pool when they yeah. did Imagine the idea that okay we're going to do a really big pop record yeah. and Wick did is also okay this is everything we do but we're going to do this on the larger scale we're not yeah. going to be like self-defeating narrative we're going to actually we actually think this is going to be enormous we're going to love it yeah. and we throw everything we've ever loved about pop culture not just pop music everything so yeah. you know from the Warhammer to the games to the uh, club stuff to all the movies we've ever loved into one package this is kind of as a guy who is you know I'm 39 about to be 40 this is kind of like the entire story of everything I've loved and define myself as a creator yeah. and a writer and a human being um, it's, my it's a big, it's a big. Oh one. yeah, absolutely. It's just kind of like it's, uh, the funny thing is, this is like ten years off from phonogram. Like the first yeah, phonogram yeah. was very clearly about me turning thirty. Like it was actually me dealing with a lot of those kind of stuff. And yeah. the, this is very clearly about me being forty. Okay. It's like you know, that was, I'm afraid of being thirty and old, uh, and it's about me being afraid of being forty and dead. Yeah. Uh, in a very real way. It's, oh my god, I'm almost going to die. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> well, and, you know what, what? genuinely is life for? Why be an artist anyway? That's yeah. kind of what Wick Div is beneath the surface. Yeah. So. The songs are used to ways to think about. So there's, there's a, bits of weirdness. But there's a lot of like these are really big pop records. Yeah, that's kind of part of it. As in the idea that the, the, the tone is euphoric and and sad and weird and like and it's not, when you stop putting me in the list, you remember how many pop records are about people dying. Yeah, how many pop records are about people dying young? I mean, the idea of Rick and Divine being uh, if uh, those who are listening don't know, yeah. it's basically every 19 years gods are reincarnated on Earth who are loved and amazed and yeah. hated for like two years, and then they die. So this is basically a device to concentrate the concept of mortality because it doesn't yeah. mean if, if we're alive for two years or ten years or 70 years, that's still a very finite time versus the eternity. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, why yeah. do anything? So that's kind of what the book's about. Mm. <laughs> so it go anytime we start talking about what Wicked about, it goes pretty yeah. dark. Um, I, I like that about it, and I think, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, the point of you know, 
I think it's quite an unforgiving book as well. Like, I don't think it eases you in at any point. Oh no, no it drops you um, right into yeah, it. Yeah, like, and it, it sort of res. doesn't even assume like that you have any knowledge because there's no way you can have the knowledge from. Um, was that a thing that you guys thought? No, we, we we're gonna write this thing. We're gonna make this thing. And pe- people have to go with it. I thought we, I mean, sorry, the funny thing is, me and Jamie swore we thought we were being accessible. Yeah. <laughs> we thought we're, we're going to try this time. We're not going to be like phonogram. We're not going to be like phonogram. We're going to actually try to eat. No, no. Yeah. Um, I don't. We just. Have, I think we must have higher standard, not higher standards, higher tolerances. Yeah, yeah. that kind of nonsense. Um, <laughs> I love you calling nonsense. Yeah, no, it's like. It, it, I'm aware that I, I find it interesting. I pull some apart, and in terms of, I try to like. There's probably definitely bits we've we've misstepped, I yeah. guess. Um, but we do we do quite like respecting an auditor's intelligence, which is kind yeah. of all these. Which I find I don't like saying that because it sounds like insulting to anybody who doesn't get it. Yeah. Uh, but we're aware that this is kind of the, the pace we would accept our stories at. Roll with us. We'll kind of get to everything in the end. Yeah. yeah. And you know we will not. We will genuinely. We will, you know, if you don't need to know, we will genuinely. We won't leave you in the dark unnecessarily. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't need to know it, we won't tell you it. Yeah. yeah. As in, but so if you don't know something, relax. It's you, fine. You get there. Yeah. Yeah. You'll pick this up in time. Yeah. That's kind of at least the part of the attitude. Um, yeah. It's weird because the issue of like issue nine is kind of the interview with Anank, who okay. is kind of the elder figure in the pantheon. And yeah. It's like, and we finally get some straight answers. <laughs> so it's it's going to be quite nice for people, I think. Who does the interview? Is it because there's a critic character? Well, you can no, you can get it's there from the beginning. I, and I you can't think, say yeah. who does the interview. Yeah, okay, it, right. But yeah. I think um, any, <laughs> I think if any who guessed who would do the interview, they would probably be right. Okay, right. That's good. <laughs> How much is like but, obviously? Uh, they are fun characters to write. <laughs> amazing, I'm yeah. just going to give it away. Yes, it's Cassandra. <laughs> <laughs> Cassandra is the, um, the, the very cynical yeah. character doesn't believe yeah, anything. Yeah. Those two characters. The, the, the head is actually really yeah. good because it's quite it, issue 8 I said it, it's, the, it's the big rave scenes it's a lot of yeah. flesh and a lot of very sensual um, that's a word I, when you say the word sensual sounds horrible yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is like quite dry it's almost like a one act play yeah. in this kind of like these characters in a very intense space yeah. um, I think I, that's the thing I, I think the reason I like Cassandra is because when you first meet you just think oh god I've seen this character so many times but then the more it goes on and you go, ah, actually, there's so much more to that character, actually, that we're not seeing because she actually genuinely cares. It's true. I mean, I try... All the characters are complicated. It's like Baal. It's yeah. like... Um, I mean, okay. I think Cassandra, Cassandra is almost like she's the flip of Laura. Okay. You know, she's kind of like, you know, Laura's this ultimate fangirl. And exactly. Yeah, 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 Cassandra yeah. isn't the opposite and they are... But they work together so well. That, that's yeah, that, and because they, of that, They yeah. are tied together and that's kind of like... That was very explicit. And Cassandra mm. is a really good... allows me to auto-critique the book. Yeah. Pretty much anything I say, anything Cassandra says, I think's right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, she's Cassandra. No one listens to her. Yeah, uh, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, this is iffy. There's, pre- there's precedent. <laughs> exactly. It's like yeah. she, she should have chosen a different name. That's, yeah. that's, that's definitely the thing. But it's yeah. like Bowl. You know, Bowl is you know very aggressive and very egotistical, and he's like a character. At the same time, you, I think by this point, anyone who's been following the issues realise mm. he's probably one of the more moral characters. Yeah. Yes, he's abrasive, and yes, he frankly is very arrogant. But there's a kind of there is a sense of worry for people yeah. and also the world to sacrifice his own you know his own things to other people that yeah. kind of is running in through that he's sort of, you know that kind of because people are complicated we're, yeah. we aren't that simple yeah. you know even, even people who we've I hope we're, like, hope we're more complicated anyway <laughs> so it's a theme tune for our episode but uh, Summer Camp's Pink Summer is a, you said it's a theme tune for your book why, why is that it was, it was like um, uh, November 
our favourite con in the UK mm. is Fort Bubble in okay. Leeds which is astounding we've loved it mm. we've been to everyone we were invited to it on the first that was our kind of the first con anyone invited us to yeah so it's grown enormously so it started out like a few hundred people and now it's like 10, 12,000 so it's, yeah. a, it's a medium sized UK con but they let us DJ and it's the DJ <laughs> and the DJ party has grown every year and okay. it's and it becomes it's almost like our Christmas yeah. it's like yeah. this year was in the in the town hall <clears throat> enormous place, dance floor people throwing shapes yeah. at 4 in the morning again this is weird and like back and alien so yeah. I love it all but specifically that year uh, Summer Camp who we know and are friends with were playing um just a venue that's so we went there mm. and I just had a moment I listened to actually Lopes the Pinks this is this is pretty much the it's fantastic which yeah. is, A it's brilliant but B it's kind of pretty much what the book's about yeah. and it's like and the idea of like somebody in a quite similar position to me and Jamie isn't you know a, a duo yeah um, we're talking about the, the the concept of love and need and death uh, this you know this may kill this may uh, this may kill us what a way to die yeah um, that kind of like back and forth antipathy to it all yeah that, that's, that was something really appealing and I sort of like halfway through the gig I, I, I sort of it clicks and I ran outside and just like made sure I made a note to upload it to the playlist yeah um, and we did a launch party for the book when it came out and um, we booked out it's quite funny because like you know we, we have this they don't do launch parties this is not video yeah. games yeah uh, so we're going to do a proper launch party we're going to yeah. get we're going to book out a venue we're gonna book a book a band. Amazing. Have like it'd be great. And yeah. so summer camp, we, we you know we played them. They came and played. So yeah. basically, they they're very much in my head tied to the whole endeavor. Um, so yeah, and it's yeah. a great song. It's a great song. Yeah. Um, I just watched uh, Beyond Clueless uh, in the Ooh. summer, and uh, they do the soundtrack for that song. And I went to see the film. Uh, shown at a festival, and summer camp performed the uh, oh, score live. It's so good. You should definitely do that with the next book. Right. Get them to come and cool. actually, do we, that we live. generally, I probably it's too early. We talked summer camp about collaborating quite a bit. Yeah, as in there was, we, we've in fact we're very both very busy. Yeah, so there, there's something we're definitely doing shortly together. Mm. Uh, but okay. um, there's there's a larger project we've talked about a few times. Oh wow, excellent! Yeah, and it'll be very cool to do if we can find chance. Definitely, like, if we find a spare month, we could do it. <laughs> Must be hard when you have to write all these Star Wars oh. comics. It's, it's, hard, it's hard life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're just going to go to some. Uh, so we yeah. had some uh, feedback then. Um, I'm going to just go to some of these. We had a tweet from Duke of Havoc. He said, "Dear, <laughs> dear Kieran, and I'm, what's the split of workload between writing comics and coming up with puns for Twitter?" Uh, I'm assuming you know this guy. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a gentleman. He runs a website. I'm not going to plug it because you're you're being mean to me. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, but growing up puns is entirely pleasurable. That that's kind of something I do to avoid work. Yeah. Uh, so in other words, it's about 90 percent of my workload. Yeah. And 10 percent of my workload is actually work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the next one's from John Hurd. He says, "Which is your favourite Star Wars movie and Ooh, why?" Uh, Empire because I'm a bit of a goth uh, <laughs> you know all about you know the Empire I'm not invader therefore the Empire striking back is a good thing for mm. me yeah um, you know it, it is really as Empire it's just kind of like I find it, the, the actual structure is fascinating I find the the, the fact it's um, the unresolved nature of it the fact how it sort of floats in space no pun intended um the weird sort of gleeful dark romance of it all and of course there is as I said earlier this is the first movie I ever saw in a cinema this is formative this is origin story yeah. stuff yeah um, so yeah Empire 
Cool. I'm just going on a bit of an indulgent digression here. Go for it. Um, my girlfriend's father coined the word goth in relation to music. Really? Yeah, he used to write None for more. sounds. He was called Steve Keaton. That's uh, the pen name he used to write under, Steve May. He coined the word goth in relation to music when he was um, reviewing this band. And we went to the British Library recently. They had this big goth exhibit. And we didn't know it was there. We got onto the last part of the exhibit. There was a Clive Barker stuff. Went around the corner. It was like how goth had been appropriated by subcultures. And there was this huge placard of her father's article. And she was like, no way. And we spoke, <laughs> we spoke to the British Library. And she, she managed to get this from the British Library. He's got it really? in his office now. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. No, no, I went to that. It was amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, you know, I loved it enormously. It's, um, there's been a big... I mean, I'm wearing an Alexander McQueen jacket here, so I'm very much in the kind of school mode last year. Yeah. Uh, so when she went to the British Library to collect this exhibit, she contacted them and said, oh, my dad brought this. Can I please, please have I it have for it. his office? <laughs> and the woman from the British Library came down and gave it to her. He's like, yeah, I thought I'd recognise you. I thought I'd basically just look for the most gothic person in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> so last year at the British Library, we had a comics exhibit, had a yes, gothic exhibit. Yeah. It's like, was I curating that year? It's like, kind of like, it, was like, it generally could not be more me if it was horrific (laughs) and finally then from Cal Barrett uh, who asked if you were to create a comic based around another Star Wars character who would it be and why oh wow Mm -hmm. Um, I immediately want to go with Joe Cans oh probably Boba Um, that's an easy answer let's go a bit weirder (laughs) it would be I just want to do the bands you know, okay. the idea of basically doing phonogram, you know, the entire Oh, that's a good idea, yeah. You can do it, it'll be good. Yeah. I'll be good. Max So, yeah, so Vader should be, uh, is already out now by the time you listen yes. to this. It should be. So that's we good. Put it live at the right time. The fact it's, you know, it's out there, it yeah. excites me enormous. I really can't wait to what people, see what people make of it. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank anyway. You. I'm sure we'll uh, see you again very, very soon. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you.